Thomas Ross Parry. How the devil are you? Uh, Matthew Stephen Boyle, very well, thank you. Uh, how are you doing? It's been a while. It has. Um, I, I hear you're feeling a bit poorly, you said. Um, oh, just a bit of you know, it's feel a bit rough. I feel like I've been out drinking or something, but I haven't. You haven't. Um, <laughs> but fortunately for you, unfortunately for me, I suppose, because it is quite a dreary day in Denmark, you have a cup of tea, and as they say, oh, yes. a cup of tea is the best medicine. It's Ooh. Tom Matatag. Well, that was good for an improvised introduction. You just took it, what we've been talking about and, you know, spun it. Uh, well, very good. Well, but, you know, I, I thought, you know, through the, the art of podcasting, we've been doing this a while, I, you know, I just wanted to set the mood. I didn't want to make light of the fact that we haven't done a podcast for God knows how long. I wanted to fluff the cushions. I wanted to put that down for the listener. Nothing too crazy. Just something a bit comforting, you know? Yeah. Bring them into the Bring them into the room, as it were. Absolutely, yes. Uh, just just checking my levels again here. Oh, I wonder if that little slide of the microphone will be on. The oh, thing. it's been a while. I think people will will forgive us. It, it, to me, I don't know. Again, this could have not picked up on the thing, and the listeners would be like, "What's he on about?" But it sounded like you know when we're in an old western saloon in a, a film, and they just like raise their hand and like mm. whiskey. It was like a yeah. across the table. <laughs> Oops, so, that was nice. Well, no, we'll have no more of that on this we episode. We will have Tom, no Tom more of that foolishness. No more Foley. So, Matt, I, I'm hoping you've got lots to talk about. Because it's been um, a while. Well, I have and I haven't. I, I, um, I say that like I haven't got anything to talk about, but I have. So. Oh, well, I, right, okay. So, some of the reason we haven't podcasted is various scheduling conflicts, you moving house, me going to the UK... Um, I have some some tales of picking up video games. Um, not that I bought too many. Um, I have also played Niantic's newest AR game, Pikmin Bloom, and I have also this morning, fresh off the presses, um, played a little bit of uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, you've got that now. Yeah, you've probably played about as much as I have. I, I have played a whole half an hour. Or so okay, I've played a little, see. a little bit more. You're not playing as uh, the new character. I don't even know her name. It's been so long oh, since I played it. Um, Rivet. Rivet. It? Yeah, you're right. Yes. Actually, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I played this game like all of forty minutes ago. So if I had forgotten her name, that would be rather embarrassing. Um, well, I mean, we can start there, Tom Parry. Um, oh, gosh, because... you're testing my um, memory now, though. Go to on. be fair... You, you tell I... me, maybe you speaking about it will remind me. I want to hear your I... thoughts on it. Yeah. I don't really have a lot to say on it, if I'm honest. I'm kind yeah. of going to echo what you previously said on a episode of TMA, <laughs> is that the game looks very pretty, but mm. it doesn't really... The whole experience, like other than looks and some of the crazy stuff you're doing with rifts, feels like 
an old school like action platformer it doesn't really do anything new for the genre so far other than wow this is absolutely bonkers look at this they're cutting from cutscenes into real gameplay and doing all this crazy loading stuff with so i take it it didn't crash for you then no it did not it it went through fine quite a seamless experience i am glad about that this is wow shall we talk like robots um it it it's just been, I guess, you know, playing this game, what, six, seven months after it originally dropped is perhaps to my benefit in the fact that some of the creases have been ironed out. There was one or two little moments of hitching, but, like, not really noticeable just when they were, when you were in that big animated parade thing at the start, like, one really? or two of the... The switches between scenes there seemed a little like finicky with like. Loads, I didn't notice but... anything like that. I can't recall anyway. I'm not that sensitive to things like that, though. I would say in general. That's that's fair, but I, that was the only the only thing that I was watching this game really intently, going, "Wow, I can't believe that they have gone from these really smooth animated cutscenes into gameplay so seamlessly." But I will say you could probably go back and listen to me talking about the reboot of Ratchet and Clank, and I probably said the same thing. <laughs> um, I think we are at a stage where video games do look so good, and, you know, the old tired trope of us going, wow, it looks like a Pixar movie, um, doesn't really apply anymore because I think video games have been there for a while. Mm-hmm. I I do think that the... The transition is seamless in the gameplay. I do think it looks like one of the best games I've ever seen. I'm playing mm-hmm. it on a standard definition TV. Well, you know what I mean, like HD. But I imagine in 4K, this game looks absolutely jaw-dropping. The I've played mode... it in both. Yeah, yeah, I've played it on a regular uh, HD TV and a 4K TV. And uh, yeah, that, I think always with 4K, it, there's a slight um, improvement. I, I still don't think that the leap from regular HD to 4K is that amazing. Uh, no. But it's, it is noticeable. You know, it's not like you don't notice it. You do. But it doesn't make that much of a difference, I don't think. Okay, that's fair. I mean, um, this is what I was thinking, because I was like, this looks really nice on this television that's... Yeah by this point like seven years old yeah i'm sure this looks even nicer with ray tracing and well that's else. it yeah yeah so you've got to turn on there's different uh modes isn't there for ratchet and clank i didn't get that option interestingly enough because i guess they're like well you're on an old tv so we're not going to give you these options oh interesting okay yeah i i think at least with a regular tv don't you get performance and um oh, i think you do I didn't, honestly. I think you should be able to find... Uh... I'm sure if I went into settings, I could, but it, it didn't give me that, like, oh, like, okay. you know. Like, when I, I played God of War on uh, someone's PS4 Pro, it was like, oh, do you, want, do you want it to look as nice as possible, or do you want it to run really smoothly? I didn't get, like, an option like that. It was difficulty level, um, and, yeah, like, language options, I think. The only two, and then there was like a audio settings, da, 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 but I just clicked through that because I wanted to play the game in the interest uh, of time. Ray tracing does make a difference, I would yeah. say. So I think I was playing it um, performance with ray tracing on 4K. Yeah. Uh, but 
when I was playing it regular, I think I was just playing it on the quality mode. I just wanted to see how good these visuals could look. And I think with Ratchet and Clank, there isn't a massive difference between um, clarity, between performance and uh, um, quality mode. They both look pretty good, in all honesty. I'm sure. Mm. But yeah, I, the interesting thing for me, actually, the, the one little caveat that I, I kind of wanted to slip in and talk about before we move on to other things was I found it quite interesting that this was a a sequel to the broader Ratchet and Clank verse rather than a sequel to the latest Ratchet and Clank reboot. Oh, okay. Because I admittedly like it has been a while since I've played the Ratchet and Clank games, but the whole parade thing is like, oh, here, look, remind, look we're going to refresh your memory about Ratchet and Clank. And I just don't remember a lot of the names and enemies that they were saying. And I was like, well, are people who came in in the the PS4 game slash the film going to be a bit confused by some of this stuff? And that was the only thing I thought. I think and enough I mean, was established in the previous game. I mean, If you've only played that one. The villain wasn't, was he? I don't know. I've not played enough of it, but <laughs> no, I mean, I completed that game, and I was like, okay, I don't know who Doctor Nefarious is. I okay. don't know some of these things. They're like, oh, where did they find this enemy? It were like, I just shot them, but I don't think that affects your enjoyment of it. You just accept it. No, and I mean, you know, anything voiced by the guy who does Chaos in Skylanders slash Invader Zim, I'm just like, okay, you're a good enough voice actor. I'm fine with that. You'd be yeah. a crazy but evil person. It's a fair point to raise, though, isn't it? If you haven't been following the series, then uh, a lot of those callbacks you won't, you know, you just won't get. No, just completely bushed over my head. Which but is... they're not, I mean, apart from that beginning segment, it's not. Well, you do actually see quite a lot of recurring characters, I think, uh, every now and again, who do have a history with Ratchet and Clank. So, yeah, perhaps well, you would get more of it if you have more out of it, if you play them all. But, uh, yeah. The whole setup of it, though, even like the Rift Gun and hmm. um, Clank giving Ratchet this thing so he can go find the other Lombaxes and stuff. I was like, I have no idea what this is a reference to. Like, I just assumed there were more... Lo- like, I knew he was the only Lombax, but I didn't realise that maybe he was from another dimension and all this stuff. I was like, man, yeah. I, I think I played those other games. I don't know how well they told stories. I, I imagine yeah. pretty good because the cutscenes are always of a high quality and, as you say, the acting is also really good. Uh, but I don't know how much depth of story there is there, really. Or, or I mean, I'm, I'm sure there is, but, I mean, you know, like... I'm perhaps more familiar with that first game because it was the one I had when it came out, and then I obviously I replayed it when they launched the PS4 remake of it. There's but... so many, there's so many Ratchet and Clank games, isn't there? Not many series in in a badge. It's been quite a long period of time since the original yeah. came out, but I think in that time you've had less 3D Mario games than you've had Ratchet and Clank games, haven't you? So probably. Um, I mean, certainly less re- Banjo Kazooie games. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that that is, I mean Ratchet and Clank, um, Ratchet and Clank slash Banjo Kazooie. It's not really a fair comparison, is it? Like, not really. But there's a lot, and for someone like me who doesn't play as much as some, then that's yeah. a lot of games to catch up on. And I'm not sure how many people playing the new Ratchet and Clank will have played all of them. 
I certainly haven't. I no, mean, there's no. like there's probably like five or six games before this, right? If you count the multiplayer one, and that's re- that's regardless of the reboot and the Agent Clank games on the PSP and all of this kind of stuff. It, yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit strange to me to walk into that, especially after, like I said, they've just rebooted it, which probably tells you that that reboot probably wasn't that successful or not as successful as they'd hoped. So that reboot it just exists in its on its own in its own yeah. little time. It's just frame. it's just the first Ratchet and Clank. Like yeah. anyway, that's neither you nor there. I just thought it was a bit jarring. Yeah, so. it's interesting. No, I've not really thought about that, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's see. Make but it's fun. fun. It's a fun game, and there's some yeah. really technically impressive uh, set pieces in there, and it's incredibly fast and frantic. Um, it's like, wow, yeah, it's great. But the gameplay itself is very familiar. And, uh, yeah, don't go into the game expecting something totally different or revolutionary. Uh, it doesn't really expand on the gameplay in any sort of meaningful way. Even the Rift Gun's fine but it's more of a gimmick than it is sort of yeah. anything that really affects the gameplay in a massive way no and i to be honest with you i kind of even just the lack of a like a dash on circle is a weird mm. thing for me like I, I wish there was more of how you actually could maneuver as ratchet like yes you can press l1 and jump and then jump again and you kind of do like a but it, it just feels very... You, you may get power-ups um, later on, which give you more... But you definitely get some more uh, past the point that you're at, where, where okay. you get more uh, abilities. Uh, so, yeah, you might see that yet. But uh, I okay. I'm not the most qualified to talk about it because I've played a few hours, but, yeah, not not not, not completed the game. Fair enough. I mean, it, it doesn't... It says something. It says something about it's not one you want to come back to or, you know... Let's see. I mean, I perhaps I will probably complete it. Like, I like a good action platformer. I like a light palette cleansing game. And honestly, I haven't yeah. really been playing a lot recently. Hmm. I completely fell off control and death loop. So let's see. Yeah, um, I've been playing uh, an older game as well. I've been playing Fallout Four. <laughs> okay. After um, really enjoying my time with Fallout seventy six, I felt like. Well, Fallout 76 is geared around playing multiplayer. I said, if I'm going to play a Fallout on my own, it might as well be Fallout 4. But yeah. by playing it, I've realised how much I miss playing it as a multiplayer game. Okay. And those sort of um, mechanisms that are present in Fallout 76 that make it a little bit more of a, an accessible game, I feel I miss yeah. those when playing Fallout uh, 4. For example... The lack of uh, auto saves, regular auto saves in Fallout Four. You know, having to replay segments. You always feel like you're progressing in seventy six. You know, mm-hmm. so you're trying to get from point A to point B. You're maybe dying all the time, but you're you, you're always sort of um, progressing in terms of your uh, abilities and your level. You know, you're yeah. always gaining more experience. Uh, of course, in Fallout Four, if you die, then well, you don't. You lose everything that you may have done yeah. in that section. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's something I've been trying to get used to. I mean, essentially, the gameplay is very similar in Fallout yeah, 4. So I have been enjoying it for that because I've really got into that universe and got into that style of gameplay. And it's taken me a while to sort of get to grips with um, how to play it, you know, because there is a bit to sort of, you know, making your way around the various menus and such and uh, 
it's a more complex game than the one that I usually play more, as you know, more arcade style stuff. But uh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of depth in there. And uh, I think part of me was wanting an experience with a bit more depth. And so Fallout, for me, is, is fitting the, uh, the bill at the moment. Well, I mean, that's why they call it an immersive sim, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I know that's a bit of an old one to be talking about, uh, but it plays very well on the Series S. Uh, other than the, when it crashed once on me, which, you know. Okay. Wasn't... You're having a lot of bad luck with crashes, it seems. <laughs> well, yeah, for the amount I actually play video games, uh, yeah, I do get more crashes than I would expect. It's because you love 3D platformers so much. Mm, I do, but then again, you know, I'm not in love with uh, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Rift Apart, so that is uh, is curious. Uh, But I do certainly appreciate it. Yeah, so it goes. So have you been playing anything else, Matthew? Um, Well, playing is the the tricky one with this one. As I mentioned, I... I have been dipping in and out of uh, Pikmin Bloom, which is the new Niantic AR game a la Pokemon Go slash Wizards Unite slash Ingress. Um, they, they've teamed up with Nintendo and they have made a Pikmin game in the same hey, walk around a map, do things style that is there with Pokemon Go. Obviously, Pokemon Go is a game where you are walking around, there are Pokemon spawning, you are collecting, you're catching, you're doing field research. It's existed for five years now. I I don't, hopefully don't need to explain the mechanics of that. But Pikmin Bloom is itself a very strange thing because the first thing you will notice when you boot up the app is that not only is there the white splash screen of the Niantic logo... But there is a red rectangle containing a Nintendo logo. And I was like, oh, that's interesting that Nintendo has put their logo on the front of this game. And, well, other than Miyamoto obviously being very passionate about Pikmin and obviously Pikmin being a core Nintendo franchise, whereas the Pokemon company, etc., etc., and Game Freak are involved in the development of Pokemon with Nintendo. They... They actually bring a lot of like Nintendo stuff into it. Um, for example, there are Mies in this game. Your your avatar is, as you will see, and I'll try and turn him around for the benefit of you, Tom Parry. Hmm. My avatar is me. It is literally my me that is on my Nintendo account on my Nintendo Switch. I like that a lot. Um, and so your this game is naturally all about walking and exploring the world but i'm yet to see the hooks of it um so yeah it it is an ar game you are walking around the world you will collect pikmin and you can like the pikmin game then use those pikmin to bring stuff to you um the thing they are collecting is fruit or other pots for pikmin much like pokemon go there is like an egg mechanic where to get pikmin you don't just pluck them out of the ground as you're playing like you do in the video game but you have to put these pikmin pots in a in like almost like a portable greenhouse and then once you've walked a certain amount of steps Uh they will hatch because that is kind of the main hook of this is oh it's like the egg in pokemon 
go. Yeah, exactly. But let it's not about kilometers here. It's not like you need to walk ten kilometers to hatches. Like, oh, walk ten thousand steps or walk a thousand steps. So you you do that and you hatch Pikmin, but they're not they're not necessarily special Pikmin. Hmm. They they could just be a blue Pikmin or a pink a yellow Pikmin or a red Pikmin. Those are the three I have at the moment. I don't have any of the ones from Pikmin two and three, like the flying one or the stone one or the big purple buff guy. And it's all based around this mechanic of steps. You can send people out, like I've said, also to grab fruit. And what the fruit does is your Pikmin will go off and get it. They'll come back to you, they'll bring you fruit, and you convert it into nectar, which is what you feed the Pikmin. And then if you feed them nectar, the flowers open on the top of their heads. They bloom. They bloom. And then you collect those flowers. And... The reason that you collect those petals is essentially when you are walking around this universe, you have the ability to essentially put on a thing that kind of acts like the incense does in Pokemon Go, where you plant flowers. So like when you're walking, it leaves a trail of flowers. And that plays into the equivalent of gyms in this game, whereas in Pokemon Go there are specific points in the world map where you battle and you can put Pokemon in and gain coins and stuff. This game has large flowers that are unbloomed and a large circle or radius that you can see on the map. And you have to walk around this giant circle and populate it with flowers. Hmm. And by planting 300 flowers around the base of these larger flowers, they bloom. Mm-hmm. And then you can either get special Pikmin that have hats. So, for example, I got one from linking to my Nintendo hat that had a Mario one. I also was at a supermarket and found one, and it was it has a mushroom on top of its head. And so you can get special supermarket ones or restaurant ones or whatever and they all the only difference is essentially they have unique hats um and Mm. that that is the game in the nutshell other than you can do these things called expeditions where if you were for example i was walking around the city of vila um and you come back home you can send your pokemon uh you can send your pikmin (laughs) back into the city to go and collect like a lemon or an orange or a Pikmin pot that you might have missed on your exploration. And that so far is it, is walking around, planting flowers and sending my Pikmin off to grab fruit from various places. A lot of the leveling in the game is based around, hey, hatch a certain amount of Pikmin and walk a certain amount of steps. So there isn't like XP but it it seems to be a light walking game rather than something where you're trying to cl- catch them all or trying to do more heavy mechanics and more time consuming can- things it seems quite idle in that it's, sense it sounds but, very pleasant to me yeah it is but also because it doesn't have you know the the things of Pokemon go like, okay, I'm not trying to put my Pokemon in gyms. I'm not trying to catch Pokemon and get shiny Pokemon because the 
the way you acquire things seems to be a lot more random and the fact that I can go home and then send my Pikmin back to collect these things that I saw while I was in town. It doesn't really feel necessary to have the game open at all times in the same way the Pokemon Go did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you if you do, like if you're walking around and you're planting these flowers around the bases of the plants, then perhaps there's a bit more to do. But I'll I'll be totally honest, like I seem to be the only person playing it in Vila. Because there's literally I've not I've the only one who's made a flower bloom and I had to do that on my own. And it felt very, very tedious walking around in this giant circle trying to plant three hundred flowers, which are like it, it essentially within that circle radius you have to kind of walk in spots where you haven't walked before. You can't just like walk around there in a certain amount of time. You need to explore that space. And that's all well and good in a game. But for example, the one I actually did, a lot of the circle is actually taken up by a church. Mm-hmm. That I can't really just walk into the church to plant flowers around it. No. And so I was like, well, how are you going to do this in densely populated city areas where there are literal buildings and offices that a lot of these gyms take the space over? It just... I don't know it that that kind of being the main thing of how you get these like more attractive Pikmin with hats and better fruit to get different kinds of nectar to plant different plants seems very odd to me. I I haven't quite come to terms with how that works, but also right. the fact that there aren't many people playing it. Like well, this is a problem. Pikmin hasn't quite got that same sort of appeal as Pokemon, has it? No, and I again, much like Harry Potter tried to, with Wizards Unite, make a game like Harry, uh, like Pokemon Go, where it's like, oh, collect these wizarding things. I'm like, that doesn't feel true to the IP. Why, why would I give a shit about collecting a picture of Hagrid? Like, hmm. it, Pokemon works, doesn't it, in that uh, yeah. sense, as that type of game? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is kind of why we've seen various AR games come and go. Like, I never played Minecraft World, but that that seemed to be a mismatch as well, of like, oh, walk around the world and build stuff on top of it with inset locations. It's like, well, if I'm out and about for a walk, do I really want to sit down and build something on a park bench and then, like, walk away again? It just... I don't know. Like, mm. this kind Why of... Why do you think it exists, Matt? Why do you think this game exists? Why did Nintendo just want to do more with Pikmin... Uh, to make it a bigger brand and release more Pikmin games? Is it it a creative um, endeavour? I mean, I'm sure it is a creative endeavour. I mean, Pokemon Go is one of the highest earning mobile games in the world. But also, as was revealed in an investor's talk a couple of months ago, Miyamoto actually plays Pokemon Go. Hmm with like his wife and close group of friends like he walks around Japan playing Pokemon Go with people and so i assume he has played Pokemon Go has wanted to do something with Pikmin and then married the two together he loves Pikmin hasn't he always said like Pikmin was his favorite thing like yeah you know, exactly favorite game that he's worked on and, and so it... he's very passionate or something like that yeah, i think he's and... very at least if he hasn't said that he's said that he's very um yeah, he thinks a lot of the Pikmin games. Yeah, he, he yeah. does. And, like, this feels like 
a very Nintendo game. More so than a Niantic one, because it's all about, like, steps and health and, like, keeping a diary of your day. Like, you can, at the end, at 9pm, like, it stops counting your steps for the day. Like, and then it's like, how did you, how did you feel today? Like, were you happy? Were you sad? Were you neutral? Let's, let's take one of your photos and, like, put that as, like, a reminder of this day and what you've experienced. And it kind of reminds me a lot of the the stuff that was in the Wii, you know, like mm-hmm. the, hey, what did I play today? And you get little stamps going like, oh, look at that. I got a new mushroom Pikmin. I bloomed a flower. So there's a flower. It, it feels very wholesome and very, like, Nintendo- but also that kind of diminishes the point of playing it for me cuz i i got to be honest like if i want to just go out for a walk i want to just go out for a walk and this is definitely less intrusive into that experience than pokemon go is but it feels slightly more pointless than you're pokemon not getting as much out of it are you i guess you feel no. like it's worth doing it with Pokemon Go. Even if you're going for a walk, it's worth doing it. This doesn't feel like you're getting enough back from the game to make you no. want to keep playing it. Yeah, Exactly. I just don't... There's no... And admittedly, like Pokemon Go, when that launched, was literally just like, yeah, just run around and catch Pokemon, which was fine. And like some Pokemon were rarer than others, which, you know, I've talked about on this podcast the length of like running the length of our city to go catch a licky tongue when someone was like on Facebook, there's a licky tongue in the park! Mm. And like you could just see people running down the street to try and catch a licky tongue. With the, with this game, there's just nothing. There's no... None of the stuff that has evolved through Pokemon Go, which has made it, you know, slightly more nefarious and more of a time sink. Like, hey, you need to do researches, you need to spin gyms, you need to battle rocket grunts and all this stuff. None of that is here. And other than making plants bloom and, like, walking set amounts of steps, mm-hmm. there's no purpose of the game. There's no, like... You know, with Pikmin, right? Like, I, I've had to explain this to everyone I've talked to this game about because no one has played Pikmin, which is probably part of the problem of why no one is playing Pikmin Bloom around here. But, you know, you're Olimar. You crash land on a planet. You get these little charming plants and you, you send them off to go and find your spaceship parts. And you, the whole goal is, like, yeah, I'm going to use these to battle monsters, to get spaceship parts, to fly home. Mm, That's the concept of Pikmin, yeah. Yeah, that loop, that, hey, I'm going to send these Pikmin out to help me achieve a task beyond, like, walking around in a giant circle isn't there. And there's none of the absolutely gigantic, um, weird, like, toady mushroomy mm. creatures wandering around the map that I need to defeat that could be harming other there's people. There's no there's or... no threat there. Uh, there's no threat, there's no goal, and uh, honestly, there's not really challenge to it. It it feels mm. it even feels a bit too random for me to just go, well, I'm gonna get all the Pikmin from the supermarket and see what funny hats they have. You know? <laughs> like it doesn't seem to be a way that I can influence what I find and where I find it. There is a 
an item I got called a radar that I haven't used yet because I'm not sure if it's limited time or not. But I think perhaps that is the key to going near like a city or whatever and using a radar and then perhaps getting more expeditions from that to get yeah. these bigger Pikmin pots that do contain the hats. I see. Well, but then also... Maybe it'll evolve. What do you think? In time? I mean, I hope so. Naturally, like, people have to play it first, though, and I just don't mm. think there's enough you to keep people playing it. Like, of the 57 or 8 friends I have on Pokemon Go... Only two of them have got Pikmin accounts, and it seems like they've played it a little bit and then kind of put the game down again. Well, I didn't is even it... know it was out, so... Yeah, I mean, this is also the thing, right? Unless you are actively following this, like I have been since they announced it. Yeah. I don't think there's really that much awareness of it. I don't think so. I think maybe if they'd gone with something like Animal Crossing, then yes. there would be a far more interest in the game. Oh, 100%. But then again, what would Animal Crossing be as an AR mobile well, game as well? It probably know? sounds like it could be better than Pikmin from what you've uh, said well, to me. Well, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, right, like, if you were, if you had a goal and a purpose, if these expeditions actually mm. did something beyond I'm just going to send you out to get fruit, and that's going to convert into this nectar, which will make flowers, which will mean I can walk around a big flower, like, it, uh, yes, I I get that you want to do that, and that's supposed to be the main hook because you can get more exciting things that way. But like, it's really it's just too tedious to want to yeah. engage in. Well, let's hope this. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say we're not doing a great job of enticing people to play the game. No, yeah. but to be honest with you, I don't think there's enough there for no. me to. So you would, just wouldn't recommend it, right? I'm not going to no. be downloading like... it. Uh, the wife obviously plays a lot of Pokemon Go, and like this came out, and I sent her a link immediately, going, "Oh, download this. We'll give it a go." And I played it for an hour or so on my walk into work, and I was like, "Actually, you know what? Don't bother." Like, <laughs> and the more I've played it, like I'm, I'm sending my Pikmin on expeditions. I'm doing all this stuff because I can, but there's not, there's not point to it. It's just idle, and like I don't really need another idle game. No. So you're not going to give us a report next time on uh, your progress with the game. You're probably going to drop off before then. I think I think I can talk about it next week because yeah. the like I said, the leveling in it isn't like oh you need to catch seven million Pokemon. It is just hey, walk thirty two thousand steps in total, and because it's using the the health app within the iPhone. I don't have to have the game open to engage in that. So right, I, yeah. I will just keep opening it like once a day and just going, okay, I walked 7,000 steps today. I've leveled up. Great. Let's see. Honestly, I until there's a community day next Saturday, which I will engage in, but like the whole community day thing is even weird with this because in Pokemon Go, it's, hey, the spotlight is on Piplup. Maybe you'll get a shiny Piplup if you catch lots of Piplups, so catch them Piplups. And, you know, they'll do, hey, half hatch on eggs, or, you know, um, incense times last for six hours rather than an hour. The lures that you put on Pokestops will get more exotic Pokemon than is around usually. Like, they, they entice people to go out, and honestly, community days here, still five days later, 
I can walk around town on a Sunday and still see a lot of people actively engaging in this game. Mm. And that says a lot because in Denmark, everything's shut on a Sunday. So there are people going to populated areas specifically to play Pokemon Go with their kids. Yeah. I still see lots of parents driving around cars full of children to play Pokemon Go. With this, it's like, hey, just get 10,000 steps and we'll give you a badge. I'm like, that sounds really lame. Could you not at least yeah. give me like a community day Pikmin with a special hat or It feels something to else? me like Nintendo won a bit of this Pokemon pie. That's uh, and of course I know in some respects they do have some ownership of Pokemon, yeah. but then they they can't earn as much from Pokemon as they would on one of their own IPs. So if they put the same sort of template or similar template onto one of their own IPs, they're gonna hopefully make more money. But why they chose Pikmin over maybe one of the more um, you know successful uh, IP like Animal Crossing it interests well, me. Maybe they thought I mean... Pikmin was a better fit. But I don't think it's the brand to get people interested in playing. No, and the... I mean, I, I think, I think it could be cool. I think yeah. the, the base of it is there. That if you were to do, like I said, if you were to go, like, hey, we all need to collectively as a community build a rocket ship, or we need to build um, yeah. a greenhouse in the center of town, and therefore that will make sure more Pikmin mm. spawn, and like. If you could do community-based challenges or, you know, just something that was there and made you want to play it, even if it was just for yourself, even if mm. you're just like, hey, this month we, we want you to build, I don't know, a small house for yourself. Like, put a house, you build it using the parts we give you, and then we will allow you to place your little house somewhere on this map. Mm-hmm. That would be cool, like something where you actively engage and make something as part of the world, using the Pikmin to go collect the parts, or like you got to send 700 of them off to go get you a chimney, versus like 300 off to get you a front door, or whatever it was, something like that could be mm. quite cool. Yeah, You could tap into the message that they're doing with like, hey, plant flowers, with hey, let's recycle, let's take stuff from the environment, collect this waste and turn it into something positive. There are cool ideas you could do with this, and like you could use the mechanic. And I do think Nintendo's right to say, "Hey, this like this IP could be done for something like this in a really fun and intuitive way." The problem is, like I said, I think at launch there's nothing really there to entice me to do anything, and therefore even I, who am trying to stick with it because of this podcast and everything else. I'm not finding anything engaging in the game, so that's an issue. And mm-hmm. I like Pikmin, so that's also one of the other factors. But I also think, to your point of Nintendo wanting some of the the pie, as it were, for Pokemon <laughs> Go. Don't feel the I best analogy or not. I just Pokemon don't think Pie a... sounded pretty good po- in my Pokemon head. Pokemon Pie does sound good. But um, what what would be in a Pokemon Pie? Pokemon. Yeah, but which one? Which Pokemon would you put in a pie? Which which Pokemon do you think would be good grilled with gravy? Mm, a Pikachu pie. Oh, I wouldn't eat a Pikachu. I I was just, I don't know. I mean, They're quite I'm not... chubby. There's a bit on them, you know. I mean, I'm I'm a vegetarian now, so it would probably have to be a <laughs> a bell sprout. I was I was gonna say like you 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 know cut up some oddish, <laughs> put it put it there um, with. Um, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of another Pokemon that could really spice that up and give it a bit of fragrance. But I'm j- I've brought up an interesting question in my mind of if you which eat Pokemon plant... would you like to eat? Yeah. No, but also like, <laughs> is a pl- is a plant based Pokemon actually an animal or a vegetable? Well, it's a Pokemon. Exactly. And therefore, <laughs> I I think you know vegetarian standards in the world of Pokemon are probably a bit different. Of like. Because, I mean, it's a plant, but it's still alive. It's still got feelings. It's but still the like... plant is still alive, yes. Uh, yeah, I know. It's but still going to cry, oddish, at you as you try has... and chop it up. Yeah, it has feelings. That's very, yeah, no, wow. That's that's oh, a whole grim. other debate, I think, we could okay, get I'm into. Just gonna, I'm just going to lick rocks for the rest. Oh, but then again, I can't even, like, lick rocks, because rocks are Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, God, this is complicated. Unless they felt that was some sort of uh, that was too much. Not going to go into it. I th- I think I think you would probably be arrested for licking Pokemon, anyways. Um, yeah. The the conceit is there. I think though Nintendo just wouldn't be aggressive enough with this. Which you know, to their credit, I'm kind of all for them not trying to nickel and dime me in the way that I think Niantic perhaps does with Pokemon Go. Like, there is definitely... On, I mean, getting a shiny Pokemon is just trying to, like, slot machine mechanics and, like, trying to, like, actively engage people who just want to click on all the Pokemon to get that little endorphin rush when that Pikachu is slightly more yellow than a Pikachu should be. You know? Like, it, yeah. it is enticing you to play it while you're out because you're like, oh, no, what if I don't click on the Slowpoke and then the Slowpoke's a shiny or a perfect Slowpoke? Ah! Like, none of that is there. But I don't... I think Nintendo have purposely not put that there, but I think that is the reason why. Yes, well, Nintendo were always like this, aren't they? They want to keep gaming healthy. They, they've always... Healthy, I don't know. They've sort of decided against the achievements or trophies mechanism because they yeah. don't want people... They want people to enjoy the game, I guess, rather than be uh, trying to get all the achievements and not necessarily enjoying their time with the game, just feeling they have to complete certain objectives. You know, yeah. so Nintendo have always pushed against that kind of thing. Although getting achievements um, can be quite fun, it can be a fun challenge. They haven't sort yeah. of understood that part of it, maybe, or they're just keen that that doesn't become like um, the point. work and couldn't come tiresome. Yeah. Doesn't come like another reason to spend your time playing a video game as opposed to maybe doing something else. Yeah, but at the same time, like if you're gonna do a game where it's like, hey, this is something to fun for you to do while you're on your walk. Hmm. I don't, I don't want them to like bombard it with microtransactions and all this other stuff. But it feels like there should be a purpose to it because honestly, like, otherwise you're just ruining a good walk. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a bit about seeing we're on the sort of Nintendo subject now. Uh, did you get the expansion pass? For Nintendo Online? No, I did not. Um, I I'm going to need to because Animal Crossing is part of it, but mm-hmm. I have not yet. Fortunately, my lovely lady wife, even though she has started to play a little bit of Animal Crossing every now and again, and we will buy that expansion, she's not really that first of like spending a lot of time i think for her that game was her salve for the pandemic and i mean mm. now that she's working and we can go out and we can do stuff again i think she'd rather be doing that yeah well my my other half my girlfriend claire she uh 
decided to pick it up and I was sampling some of the N64 games this morning. After hearing all this controversy surrounding the emulation not being up yeah. to par, um, I would say don't listen to that. I've played all these games on the N64. Uh, there's nothing about these emulated versions that detracts from the fun of playing these games, I don't think. Yeah. I think people are just a bit miffed because there's some very small things that aren't exactly the same and they're paying a premium for them and they want it to be exactly the same. I, I don't yeah. see the need as long as the fun level you get is exactly the same. But I understand for some people if they see a visual error then their fun level seems to go down. I, I'm not that type of person. Um, well, but I would fair, say, in, in general, visual errors, the only thing I can think of was uh, I was playing Choco Mountain, which is one that's come under fire from some people, um, because originally there was quite a lot of fog in that particular level on Mario Kart. And yeah. uh, now there's not so much fog. And you can see th um, elements of the scenery get drawn in. Only once did I notice this. And it was a little bit... Um, he did notice it because the wall appeared to be red before it loaded in. Yeah. Um, and that was one moment in the track where I felt, oh, right, I've noticed something that's different. Uh, the only other thing I noticed was one... On Lila Wars or Star Fox 64, when the first cutscene for the first level loads, there was, for a split second, a line appeared on the screen that I can't remember being there vertically across the screen. Right. Uh, not the whole, you know, height of the screen, but just for a moment. And I was like, well, I can't remember that. So uh, I played a fair bit of Zelda and enjoyed that and couldn't see any issues there either right. from my side anyway. Uh, I would say, in general, what to expect if you um, get the expansion pass and, and you want to play some 64 games is expect games that didn't look sharp to look sharp. I think, okay. actually, the, the pluses outweigh the very minor glitches you might encounter. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, yes, let's be honest here, sometimes people who are very into video games are very into video games and that mm. line will be the thing that people are like oh it's not perfect ah. but i i honestly i think the reason people are being so picky with this is because it is expensive it is a, but i what, think it's, it's good value playing zelda this morning i thought well nintendo could quite easily charge 40 quid to re-release ocarina of time well maybe Maybe more like 30 quid or something. I mean, they did on the 3DS. Where but with improvements, nice. yeah, I know. Oh, mate, I, I, I mean, I, the thing is, right, these are what, at this point, 25, 30? No, 20, 20, 25, right, year old games. I just don't understand why that premium to do that then increases the price of Nintendo Online by like almost over double, right? Well, I think so, I heard someone say that probably what they're paying Sega to feature the Mega Drive games is, you know, meaning they need to, um, you know, uh, charge more for the service. I uh, mean, to be fair, right, if this, if this ends up being a, okay, we've seen this price hike because we want to put msx games we want to put you know other stuff on there the same way that 
the Wii mm. shop had of like an expansive library of like all old games, yeah. and this becomes the home of old yeah. games in I a think legal manner. Totally potentially, that. potentially that is what's going to happen because I don't see Nintendo then down the line doing a further expansion pass and adding on an, an one other console or something, one or two other consoles. I think. This is going to grow. I know they've not said as such so far, but I think we're going to get more than just um, Mega Drive. And I think eventually you're going to get a lot more. Um, I feel there's quite a good range of games on there already, and I I do think it's value for money. I I, I would say that the enjoyment I had about playing Mario 64, sorry, Mario Kart 64, uh, Star Fox and Zelda this morning, I thought... You know, I'm not paying for it, but yeah. I thought, uh, you know, there's a lot to enjoy in Zelda. And um, the ability to play that, for one, is um, it's a very strong incentive to get it. And also, yeah. um, Star but... Fox is a great game. There's some great games on there. And the promise of, like, you get Majora's Mask, you get Banjo Kazooie soon. If you look at how much they could get charged, could be charged for them individually as re releases, then you start to think, actually, it's not so bad. Tom, it's like a tenner less than Game Pass. Well, you will get a lot eventually, I think. Are you getting the latest Nintendo games? Are you getting, like, a backlog of, like, all of... How many games are on Game Pass? Like, 200, something like that? Probably more at this point? That are literally just coming out? Mm. I can understand why people are pissed off. Like, yes, great, these games are long, and yes, they are games I very much enjoy. But, like, the, I, f- I struggle to see the value in PlayStation Plus at the moment, where, mm. like, oh, one free game, but it's like, it's a game I'm never going to play. It's that bloody ba- that dodgeball game mm. at the moment that I've forgotten the name of. Like... I'm paying for that. I never play games online anymore. The only thing I pay on play online is Final Fantasy fourteen, and I yeah. also pay a subscription for that. Yeah. Well, I, I would say I don't like the idea of things moving towards subscriptions as opposed to buying the game individually because you're always going to get in a situation where there'll be lots of stuff on there that you're not that interested in playing. And therefore, you're paying for stuff like Game Pass where you're only going to make use of part of that library. Yeah, but you're still saving money. Like, let's be honest, you and I are both people who will buy games, play them a little bit, and then never touch them again. You have you have talked on this podcast about how you have dabbled in games that you would mm-hmm. never have otherwise played and actually quite Pass. enjoyed some of them through Game Pass. Why should you, as a consumer, feel okay with playing 40 quid, 40 quid for this thing isn't it thirty five? No, it's forty. It, oh, it might be for. I know it's forty dollars. Is it? It's a year, right? Rather than yeah, for a month, which you know is another thing. But like, you managed to. How much did you pay for Game Pass for a year? Like after hundred and just... just over a hundred pounds, I think. For for that's for three years because I got you know I was a bit naughty. Well, not naughty. Yeah. I just made use of a uh, you know. Yeah, buy like vouchers for cheaper. <laughs> but like you you've got three years of Game Pass, which is essentially like access to every Microsoft game that comes out over the next three years, plus a wealth of yeah. back catalogues and third party releases. Well, I I, I I totally agree with you. It's a great, great value. Um offer. And I mean if you 
if you add that up, like, and admittedly, like, it would have cost you a little bit more than that if you'd have done it regularly, but, mm. like, for three years of this Nintendo Online service, you might be able to play some Mega Drive games. You know well, yeah, I mean? the Mega like, Drive games, let's face it, aren't the draw, are they? Because there's so many other ways to play those games. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be honest here. There's maybe five or six N64 games that I really want to play. Mm. Well, I and think like, I, I've got a list of things that I'd like to see on there. And I think right. the, it becomes a lot more tempting once you add more titles to the service. For example, I want 1080, I want Wave Race, I want Pilot Wings, I want F-Zero. You know, I think these are all experiences that are very unique to the N64. Then they currently don't have a a modern equivalent. A lot of those games don't. I think those I... are the kind of games which would sell the service, to me at least, more than what's available there. Because you can play Zelda elsewhere, you can play a lot of those games uh, by other means. What's harder to play now, uh, unless you're playing an original N64 or you've downloaded them on the Wii U, for example, are the games I just mentioned, like, say, 1080 Wave Race and, and so, so on I say this so in the nicest possible way. I'm not clamouring to spend, like, 30-odd quid to play old f-zero gamecube one maybe mm. I, I don't know i i have a lot of i mean the n64 is my favorite console so the ease <laughs> and ability to play some of my favorite games of all time um yeah is more uh you know um uh, tempting to me than it might be to you i think i i think so tom but i think you're in the minority mate honestly i don't i don't think there are that many people clamoring to play N64 in this day and age, especially some of those titles. Like the mo- like I'm thinking unique games that are only on there. Like, and to be honest, well, they're like, unique I'm... games that are only on there, aren't they? Uh, yeah, but they're dated sports games, man. Like the world of oh, like you're snow... undermining the quality of those <laughs> and the nostalgia. I, uh, I love te- those games. I love 1080 Tom. I would much rather play SSS Tricky. SSX tricky than I would that game. I mean, I have a lot of I have a lot of nostalgia for Cool Borders Three, Tom, but that game is aged oh yeah, no, well, poorly. I don't think 1080s aged badly at all. I do. Okay. I don't. I remember when I bought that bumper load of N64 carts from the flea market that one time. I was like, oh my god, 1080. I played it for about 10 minutes. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I remember this. 1080 for 10 minutes. Uh, I just think down the line, when you've got more games on this, this becomes an even more enticing offer. And I think it's it's quite fair what they're asking. I I just, again, if this were to become the home of like old console games and emulation and everything else, yes. Hmm. In its current state, if it's just like, hey, more N64 games. Yeah. Hey, you want to... You want to play uh, Top Gear Racing? What about some Iggy's Wrecking Balls? Then I'm going to go fuck off. Yeah. I think there's something about feeling like you're getting value for money when you start playing something like Zelda. Uh, more so than maybe when you play the retro games. And I think that's because a lot of the SNES or NES games, they can be emulated so easily. And so can yes, I know. Tom. Well, I, so can GameCube. So can I everything know this, at this point. But I don't have the ability to do that. I don't think with what you my de- current 
Tom, you have the ability to do that on a Raspberry Pi now. Okay, like, but you, I can't you, be bothered. I can't be bothered with all that. Oh, so um, yeah, but I think it's minority. an easy. I think it's an easy way to uh, play these games, and I think you do feel like you're getting more value for money. These games are so much more robust, perhaps, than uh, some of the equivalents on the older consoles that uh, they feel like. Yeah, I, I'm happy to pay for these. You yeah. are honestly, Tom. I think you are in the minority well, there. And I there don't we go. I'll be interested to hear from this. our listeners how you feel about it. But I would like to stress on this podcast, from from my opinion, the emulation thing has got blown out of the that's, perspective. That's fair. It really has. Um, and I, I had imagined that was the case anyway. But yeah. for me, it's the value for money that is the sticking point. Like I said, maybe a couple of years down the line, much like Pikmin Bloom, maybe this will evolve into something. Maybe well, it'll... Here, here we go. It's not just me. I mean, Claire was the one who bought it. Yeah. Because she wanted to play N64 games. You know, you're going to get those people who aren't like into emulation, who don't have maybe the means or the understanding of it, who will just quite happy to... Um, I think those who are probably getting most uh, annoyed by this are those who have emulated better more accurate versions of the games and are very familiar with those uh, I mean, and know how perfect emulation can can be and how maybe Nintendo's emulation isn't as accurate as what they've experienced. But I would say that that is beside the point, really. I think the games right. are still very fun uh, and they seem to be emulated well, uh, for the most part, uh, from my perspective. I would agree with you there. Like I've said, the gaming audience can be finicky. And let's be honest, the people we are seeing making a big deal out of it are yeah, a very vocal, vocal minority. minority. Yeah, but, I think for most people who have a nostalgia... For, I think more people have a nostalgia for the N64 than you think. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. I, but I, I grew up with that console. I was very excited to get it for Christmas. The thing that I think will bring people in, and I'm actually curious to see if it happens, Mm. based on a piece of news in Germany where the game is no longer banned, will they put Goldeneye on it? Will it have four-player online multiplayer? I think that will bring a lot of people to the service. Yeah, hopefully that's okay. I mean, I've not tried the multiplayer yet, but I've heard some people have complained about the way the multiplayer is um, coded in that it's not as good as it could be you know the, the ability to join games and, and have a flawless experience although i've seen other people who have reported that they've had no issues with the online multiplayer implementation yeah. but so yeah it's i'll have to try it for myself to give a, a proper yeah. opinion on that to be fair though i am kind of worried about people playing goldeneye for the first time in what 20 odd years because it's not aged that well. Well, I keep hearing this. I played Goldeneye not so long ago. It's aged a lot better than people give it credit for. I don't know, Tom. It it I... it seriously has. It plays so well. No, but I'm, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this. I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I really think it, it, it plays very well uh, still to this day. But I think people will have a few... Um, stumble a little with N64 games, especially things like uh, Inverted Look, because that was a standard N64. And that was why I still play games Inverted to this day, because I played most of the games. First time I played these games, I was playing Inverted. Zelda, for instance, Ocarina of Time, using a slingshot is Inverted. Yeah, no, I'm well aware. Well, that's going to (laughs) rile up some people, or people aren't going to find it as easy to adjust to as maybe I will. 
No. You know, or, you know, I didn't really have to adjust to it, but because <laughs> it's more natural. But actually saying that, my instinct was to push up and not to push down. And I was like, as soon as I realized it was to push down, I was like, oh, right, okay, that's fine. Um, I play inverted anyway. But for some reason, it being a Nintendo game, I don't know. I just felt like I, I should be pushing up for, for, for the slingshot. I did, it didn't bother me so much in Ocarina as first-person games that it really screws me over. Because if you're playing a PC game, generally you push the mouse up and then you look up. Like, yes, but when you use a slingshot, you're in first-person mode. Yeah, no, I know, but it's like, like that's what I'm saying. Like That's mm. on a console. I just adapted to the controls. Mm. As soon as I started playing FPS games on a PC, oh, I that see. is when I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. I just want to do... I don't want inverted controls. I want it to go the way I'm pushing. Yes, I don't really play PC, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't have. I that. mean, neither do I these days. But like that was the formative years of me playing the original Call of Duty. Mm. So okay, well, that's my thoughts on the expansion pass. I think if you love N64, I got a lot. I'm enjoying using it. Um, as I say, I'm not paying for it myself, but I would happily, if I didn't have any other means of paying for it, I would I would certainly pick up that service, especially if it had certain games on that I, I really love and would like a more easier way to play those games uh, through leg- legal means. Yeah, needs a lot more value for me to even think about plonking down for it. Animal Crossing is the thing that will inevitably make me have to pay for this. Mm, it's interesting, but... maybe that was a conscious decision. To entice, well, of course it is, to entice more people to the service, yeah. But But, I mean, it's also just a misunderstanding of the market, isn't it? It's just like, well, we're going to force people to pay for this to play Animal Crossing, but this is going to be the only paid DLC because we're done with that game. And it's like, so they're going to add more paid DLC for other games potentially, then, yeah. Along, but like, you know, occasionally, you know, that again is more value, isn't it? If if every so often they're going to like drop a piece of exclusive DLC for like Mario Kart or whatever onto that service, then that's also if they pretty if good. they would actually be like, hey, we're going to give access to old DLC because I never played any of the Breath of the Wild stuff. Mm. I'd be fine with that, but I don't think that's going to happen to Nintendo. Mm. Yeah, let's see, let's see, maybe it'll evolve. Um. I want to talk about something that's very direct, actually um, connected to this discussion, and that okay. is to do with Game Pass and to do with the release of uh, Forza Horizon Five, right? Which I was very confused to find out doesn't come out till Tuesday. Although you can play it now if you want to, and okay. uh, not through Game Pass. So, if you dis- if you've got Game Pass and then you yeah. choose to buy the add-ons up front, then you can right. play Forza now. Right. Okay, but this. Otherwise, is... you wait till Tuesday. And yeah, but I you think... know that people have been doing this for ages, right? Like this whole like, hey, pre-order the Super Duper Collector's Edition, and then you can play like Battlefield three days earlier. I think than it's its else. connection to Game Pass, which is which is interesting because uh, how you know they're getting Game Pass owners to part with more cash in order to play a game early. I think it's very clever bit of business they're doing there because yeah i was even tempted to say oh, i want to play this this weekend the timing of yeah. saying oh yeah you can have it for this weekend 
Otherwise, yeah. you won't get it till Tuesday, where you'll more likely be more busy and you won't have the time yeah. to play it. It's a very tempting offer, but then they're asking for you to pay forty quid for it, or uh, or more, depending on what kind of bundle you want to buy. Basic bundle yeah. forty quid if you want more. Then you end up paying close to what you would pay for the game if you were just to buy it. You wouldn't get that extra content, the extra DLC. But at the end of the day, you'd still don't own that game when your game pass is up. Then yeah. Now, you've just paid 40 quid for download content you might not be able to use if you decide to leave, eventually leave Game Pass, mm-hmm. you know. It's all very, you don't, you don't have to do it, of course, but I, I don't like the practice, I think. No, I, I mean, I to, with. to be fair, you could also spend like 80 quid and buy the full yeah. collector's edition and also get access to it this weekend. Yeah, yeah, you can you can do that. Yes, if you aren't on Game Pass, yeah, but you have to, you can't just buy the base version and play it. No, no, no of course not, because they want to they want to entice you to spend more money. Like this is this yeah. is games now, Tom. This has been games for like the last two years. Mm. Call of Call of Duty probably did this. Like FIFA always does this. This is a thing now, and to be honest with you, it's just because. Obviously, they get the game. The game is ready before that Tuesday release date, but that's just when release dates are in the states. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm kind of used to at this point waiting until the Friday anyway because I know I can play it then. It doesn't. Mm. I'm not. I'm not at that time in my life where I'm like, oh my god, I need to play the full set. Depends what the game is. Obviously, I've got an interest in playing this game, and I thought, oh, I've got some time I can devote to it this weekend. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm only going to play it a little. But then again, you know, I can wait. I'm not someone... I know some people who don't have quite the same patience. No. But, uh, well, I haven't, you know, paid extra money to play it early because I will just wait till Tuesday. But I just thought, oh, it's a bit sneaky. And, well, not really sneaky. It's right in your face. It's right there. Yeah. But you don't have to do it. But it's like, hmm, I see. I Well, to be fair to you, right, I don't... I think it is less a way of them trying to extract more money from people who have Game Pass than it is trying to be fair to the people who don't, who Mm. will pay the ridiculous amount of money for this premium edition of Forza. Mm. Because, I mean, if you were to say, well, yeah, great, pay £80 for this box set, which doesn't probably even contain a disc anymore, it's just all cords and whatever... And then two days later, you could have just had all of this stuff for absolutely nothing if you already had Game Pass. I would imagine that the backlash for that would be much higher. But I also imagine there's probably people who do have Game Pass who are like, oh shit, I I want to pay for this. I want to pay this 80 quid to get Forza early, but I don't want to do that because i've got game pass i can get the game for free why should i pay more for it and so this is probably the way of them going well this is a happy <laughs> medium it doesn't it doesn't piss off the people who want to pay the 80 pound to play it earlier yeah but it also is fair to the people who already have game pass who don't want to pay that full whack of money when they'll just get free access to the game on tuesday anyway so yeah. it, it it bothers me less than the nintendo thing oh god what's the world coming to <laughs> i just thought it was an interesting topic that, that i was thinking about so so thought i'd mention it in relation to obviously what we talked about yeah. with the expansion pass it's um fair. anything else from your side matt 
week? No, I, I was going to just like briefly talk about like running around the UK, but I, I don't need to do that. I mean, I went to Console Action in Swansea. I'm very happy to say that shop is still there, um, despite it, its imminent demise seemingly through the pandemic. So that was cool. I went to Super Tomato in Cardiff, which is probably my favourite retro store in Wales and bought some things there mm. and just had a, a good old natter and yeah i i picked up some stuff cex prices have gone absolutely bonkers everyone in the uk knows this i don't need to talk about it on the podcast like 120 quid for a box copy of pokemon is ludicrous i'm sorry oh, i've not seen that the last thing i bought from cex was a copy of james pond for eight pounds without a manual but i thought yeah. that was all right i mean that that seems okay but like the thing is i go into cex now and they have, like, Dragon Guard One. Tom is behind glass for fifty five pound. Going, oh, Dragon Guard. Oh like, yes, I remember. And that was like I bought that game for, for a fiver, like yeah. in Morrison's new in a discount bin. Like there are hundreds and thousands of copies of that game out there. But people want to play it now, who were around when it was five pound in a discount bin. But and they're, they're... don't, because evidently there's nine of them in a glass case in CX. <laughs> so people really want to play that game, obviously, don't they? And I guess Nia had something to do with the. Uh... You know, a renewed interest in the Dragon Guard games because it wasn't a popular, particularly popular series back in the day. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it seems weird to me, like that we're at that stage where PlayStation Two games and even Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty games seem to be creeping up a bit. Oh yeah, I tell you now. one that's expensive: the Simpsons game on Three Hundred and Sixty. Yeah, that went up yeah. during the pandemic for some reason. <laughs> like people being really nostalgic for that game, and I'm like, what the fuck. Yeah, um, I mean, um, a lot of people talking good things about that game, and it's I guess it's pushed the price up. There. I'm curious to see if the the price for Simpsons Road Rage on the PS2 was at some point during the pandemic ludicrous. Um, I think probably Road Rage initially sold better than the Simpsons game. Perhaps maybe the Simpsons game didn't. There aren't as many copies of it about as there are of something like Road Rage, which was no, but Road Road Rage was like a hundred and a hundred and something pound at some point during the pandemic. No, yeah, people were selling. Oh, Simpsons Hit and Run for the PS2 that people were selling. But they want to be playing the Xbox version. That's much better. Okay, no, <laughs> I. Yeah, you can you can buy the Simpsons games and Simpsons Hit and Run for next to nothing at the moment. But the Simpsons game, the game, is still about 30 quid, I think, in in general, if you're trying to get that particular Simpsons game. Simpsons Road Rage, starting prices around... There's some people trying to sell it for six quid now. Good. Normality is restored, Tom. I saw people spending silly money on this game during the pandemic and, like, CEX trying to charge £70 for box copies of Simpsons Road Rage, so... Well, something really... uh, wrong there isn't there <laughs> there there is and i mean that's yeah it's just really really odd though saying that i the i, I own multiple copies of sing star kent that i might have even bought in your presence when we went mm. to ordinance one day because mm. it was literally like 10 pence mm-hmm. um yeah that game's worth like 300 quid now yeah yeah because people want this really obscure yeah SingStar game that was only released in Scandinavia like long after the. I'll, ne- I'll, I'll never understand it really. It's this collector's mindset. 
Tom, I saw someone on eBay this morning trying to sell the Phoenix Games Classic White Van Racing for mm. £200. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess if people want to pay it, then... Uh, I mean, evidently they don't, because they're not selling for that price, oh, but that's no. the price people feel they're worth, and good on the internet. Well, not I tell going, you, not yes. every every bit of retro tech is expensive. Um, for example, I picked up the Sega Pico for 50 quid, delivered, all in. The other oh, day. no, Tom, don't buy a Pico, because I want a Pico, and I've been trying to resist buying a Pico. I have a Pico. 50 quid uh, off eBay. It was down for uh, about um, the 70 mark, and the guy just gave me a load of money off it. He was trying to shift it, obviously. And uh, yeah. good condition. It's got the manual. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting bit of kit. I'd say I've tried out the game that came with it, which was, uh, you know, Richard Scary uh, book yes. about the, the cat and his um, worm friend. Yeah. And there's some. It's clever how it works. It works very well, which is really what I guess. I don't know if it's why it surprised me so much that it works as well as it does. But I think the magic part of it is when you turn a page, suddenly yeah. things change on the screen. I was you, like, you wow. have seen all of the tat I have for the Pico that I've bought either here in Denmark or on trips to Japan. I've got like I've got like almost twenty Pico games. I've oh, not wow. bought a Pico. I'd like just... um, the Sonic Pico game. Do you have that? I don't know. I no. I have some Doraemon ones. I've always wanted the Pokemon one. I don't have that. I have an Ultraman game. I Pokemon have... on the Pico. Yes, there is Pokemon games on the Pico, Tom. They're only in Japanese though. Like, how oh, is that? It's an inten- It's a Sega console. It is indeed, Tom. But it's an educational system. There are Pokemon games for the Sega Pico. There's a Lego game for the Sega Pico. Um, there is multiple things that you would be surprised are on the Sega Pico. But there's literally like 300 Japanese Sega Pico games. Wow. And I've also got like a garage thing. Oh no, I have a train thing. I have a game that is Mm. literally meant to sell you plastic toys that your Pico has the ability to read. It surprises me that you haven't got a Pico. (laughs) You can set up a train track, Tom. And like it will... Like it will automate, like the pe- the the train track runs on batteries, but the trains you put on the train track have cords on them, and through the the Pico and like the soft the 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 book of the Pico game, you are essentially playing the role of like a a pers- a train conductor. Mm. And depending on the train, you can use different bits of it. The Pico is a bonkers console. Yeah, I don't have one because I'm I would s- need a Japanese one and a European one. No, you don't. It's region free. <gasps> well, I've heard it's region free. Double check before oh, you make any purchases. I don't, I don't want to buy a Pico. <laughs> I've heard it's don't. the region free console. I have a UK Pico. Um, yeah, but I've not saw, tried it with any. Other. I saw one in Vorbasa Market years ago, and I regret not buying it to this day. I think fifty I- quid is very good value. It is, because, I mean, it's not really, you know, it, it goes out there on the fringes, doesn't it? There's, I'm sure there is a definitely, like, a hardcore, I collect Sega Pico market out but there. The fact I can get one for that much, you know, I think you should be able to get one for around the same price, I'd hope. I, th- 
I think the consoles are in abundance. I think it's just mm. like getting the software. Yeah, it's the games that are more money. The Sonic game is a little bit pricey and not readily available in the UK, so you're usually going to have to pay some sort of import um, I just, tax I and delivery. Non- honestly, I just I don't need more consoles. I don't need, to be honest with you, I don't mm. need the Sega Pico stuff I have. Mm. Well, if you want to uh, sell any... <laughs> Hey man, like honestly, I think the import charges would kill you at the moment. Uh, I think yeah, for a copy of the Sonic game, you're looking at around um, seventy, perhaps delivered. It's quite a lot. Yeah, more than the Pico is is it's yeah. worth. There's also that Tales game. There's a Tales book for the Pico as well. There's oh, a nice. couple. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of Sonic related things. I don't own those, but. No, no. Uh, so down the line, if I see that, you know, if I'm able to get that cheap enough, I'll, I'll get it. But it was more sort of, for me, like I own every other Sega console. Uh, I think this is a very interesting piece of hardware. It is, for And sure. for the price, I thought, well, this, yeah, I've got to, I can't not get it at that price. I think if it, it stuck at like 70-odd and he hadn't have offered me this discount, I wouldn't have bought it. But I was like, 50 quid, yeah, I'll have it. Yeah, was it boxed? Uh, no, not boxed. No, but in, I say in good nick. I say it's got the manuals and everything. So okay, and all the original cables and bits. Ah, eventually I'm gonna get one. But like, I need, <laughs> I need. Honestly, Tom, like, the more and more I avoid my games room, is telling me I need to have a massive clear out of mm. stuff. So. My Pico is presently sitting in the bottom shelf of an IKEA um, glass cabinet. I have nowhere else to put it, but that bottom shelf happened to be free because I didn't get out yeah. my turtle van and put it in there, so I just put the Pico in there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I have tried it, and uh, it's impressive. I think one day, if I ever have kids, then uh, I think they're going to get a lot Pico. of enjoy- enjoyment out of that Pico. You know, forget the uh, the tablets and such uh, they could be using. Uh, give them a Pico. Exactly. Say, come in here, kids. Take a look at this. Have a little Pico. Yeah, exactly. Right, oh, we've babbled for long enough, Tom Parry. I think we should wrap this podcast up. Unless you have anything immediately pressing. You need no, to no, not immediately pressing. Okay, good. Then we will talk more next week, I guess, around Ratchet and Clank and... Pikmin Bloom from my side. Uh, I'll talk about. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Unfortunately, Final Fantasy Endwalker, uh, the expansion for fourteen, has been delayed. So you won't have to hear me rabbit on about that until December. You lucky people. Um, but what else are you going to talk about next week, Tom? I'm going to talk about look forward to? One Piece games. Oh. Mm. Have you? Did you, Did you get into One Piece? I've, I've got quite a lot of One Piece games. Do you get? Did you finally get into One Piece? Yes, I, I, I enjoyed the first uh, three uh, books that I got as a uh, compendium, but uh, I can't find volume two anywhere. <laughs> uh, so, um, um, Comixology, yeah. uh, you, if you don't want to physically read it, Amazon has a lot of that stuff available. Actually, you live in the UK. What am I saying? Go get the Shonen Jump app. Like, the Shonen Jump app is literally £2 a month, and you can literally read fucking anything that's on yeah, Shonen Jump. Yeah, I don't like reading things on screen, so... It's £2! I like pay- the app in the, the book. I'm paying £12 a volume over here for My Hero Academia. Do you have any idea yeah. how much I'd be happy if I could just say, yeah, cool, £2? 
Yeah, I think, well, with One Piece, you're never going to own every volume, are you? Uh, but Thomas, I, literally, the, the hundreds. Faro Cigar, the shop here in Denmark that tends to be where I purchase manga, literally has a floor-to-ceiling bookshelf, which is literally 10 foot tall, and they mm. still can't fit all of the volumes of One Piece. No, no, I know. Um, I just, yeah, I really love having it. Yeah, me too. It's a I mean, book. Th- Hence why I'm paying 12 quid for volumes of My Hero Academia, but, like, it's also just space, man. Like, Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I've got no space myself, so... Treat yourself, get a Shonen Jump subscription, then you don't have to, like, worry about where you're going to put everything, and you can read Naruto, you can read Jojo, you can read everything on Shonen for £2 a month. It's amazing value. Okay, well, I wish thank it you was for, available for telling here. me, yeah I, I, yeah, I might have to look at that. This podcast is no way endorsed by Shonen Jump. They are not sponsoring <laughs> us, though. If they would like to, that would be really nice. Um, okay, we should wrap things up before we end up plugging something else on this podcast that they're not paying us to do so. If you have liked listening to this podcast, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on Twitter at TMACast, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Attack, as well as a various cornucopia of places where you can listen to us such as on tomomatattack.com forward slash podcast on blastprocess.com we are also on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify um, while you're in iTunes want to give us a cheeky rate and subscribe let us know you're listening etc 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 Tom Parry it's been an absolute pleasure as always same same Matt really enjoy doing this again let's hope uh, it's not too long till we do it again uh, next time <laughs> we will do it next week you know, there are not many things that we can count on in this world, Tom Parry. Um, so I say that with the caveat of who knows what state the world will be in next week. But hopefully we will do a podcast. But until Excellent. then, everybody, be sure to game on. Game on. <laughs>